In today's episode, we have with us Mr. Kishor Jha. He is the VP of Tata Projects and he has about 20 years of experience working in Southeast Asia, West Asia and in India as well. He predominantly works in the infrastructure sector. He is currently with Tata Projects as their VP of Project Management, Project Control and Risk. He also takes care of all of the infrastructure and the energy sector projects. Now, before that, he worked for two years with General Electronics. And before that, he worked for almost 15 years with LNT as their project controls manager. So let's start with the journey in the infrastructure sector. So you've got experience in West Asia. You've even worked a couple of years in Malaysia. And I think in the last four years in India as well. So can you just tell us a little bit about your journey in the infrastructure field, the kind of projects you've headed and the kind of multiple hats in the different roles that you've executed in this industry? Sure, Jennifer. Uh, let me first of all thank you for having me here. I'm a mechanical engineer from NIT Jamsetpur. Now it is called NIT, those days it used to be REC. And uh, after that I did my post-graduation from IIT Madras on construction technology and management. And right after that I joined Larson and Tubro. So my first posting was at site. As usual, normally LNT will recruit the folks from different colleges and put them to site, different site across India. And uh, so yeah, first first job was Tata Steel Blast Furnace, Jamshedpur. There I worked as site engineer and then moved to planning. So so after that uh, I went to Haldia. There was a coal berth terminal being built for international seaports of Haldia Limited. Uh, worked there for about two years, then moved to Bangladesh project where we were building like one of the world's record project. This was like one longest belt conveyor of the world. So they call it single flight longest 17 kilometers. So it's a cross country from Meghalaya to Bangladesh. So you will have like crossing the country from you know India to Bangladesh. And after that I moved to Malaysia. So Malaysia we were working for Petronas. There was a huge petrochemical lube based oil complex. And then I moved back to India. We were, you know, in India, we were doing a project uh, for Kane Energy uh, in Rajasthan. So that was like first of its kind because in India, typically you would have heard oil from, you know, Bombay High Seas or Krishna Godavari Basin. That was the first, first of its kind project where we had oil in, uh, you know, it, we call it like onshore oil field. You know, earlier it used to be offshore mostly. After that, you know, so almost nine years, I was at various project sites and then moved to headquarters. There I handled like, you know, typical office jobs like operational excellence, a strategic plan. We also set up few competency centers there. So this was about uh, one stint, I would say. Then large part of, of course, I had Malaysia and Bangladesh in between, but major international uh, exposure started after I moved to Middle East. So uh, I was there in Sarja office taking care of business development, estimation. So as you see, you know, you know, LNT made sure that, you know, I'm covering like most aspects of the project management. And last two years, my stint was in LNT Kuwait as a chief executive there. So yeah, post that I moved and it was like, I moved to my core, I would say the penchant I have for development of tools and project controls. So I, I got an opportunity to work for General Electric. Uh, for grid solutions. I was heading the project control center of excellence. It was a global project control center of excellence. And we were supporting like seven regions of GE grid solutions. So, so it's a huge experience. I would call it like it's, a, you know, um, it's like a master's course or some fast paced two years course. 
And then last two and a half years, I have been working for Tata projects. Uh, it's again exciting because the company is growing very fast. You might have known about most of the projects you hear is backed by LNT, but then we are next to LNT uh, as a professional, you know, organization. Uh, so I think so far so good. I think this is what I have done in 20 years. Has been quite exciting, I guess. Yes, beautiful growth. But one thing I've really understood from your profile is there's been a lot of site work initially that you had to take upon to grow up to a particular standard, a particular role, right? So is is this the foundation, the site work that is in effect when it comes to being project manager in, in the field of civil? Is that very, very important? to I, I guess so. I think it is very important because eventually the folks from, you know, um, an engineering college would be leading the projects and they will be leading the businesses. So if you want to lead a business, unless you have understanding of ground, you know, you don't get the pulse. So I think the first few years, okay, I, in my case, I spent maybe more. My seniors used to spend 15 years. In our case, we were like eight, nine years. But I think today, in three, four years, same, same kind of, uh, you know, experience you can gain. And then post that, the office works are like kind of given. Site also is not same nowadays. There's a lot of difference uh, now. You know, earlier it used to be archaic. So, so over the decades, a lot of uh, changes have also come yeah. to the way the processes are run. So India is pious to grow at a breakneck speed when it comes to the infrastructure industry, at least over the next you know decade. So given that, what do you think uh, stakeholders should be doing to boost this growth? I mean, are we actually doing it currently, or is there something that we have to do extra in order to boost this growth? Yeah, actually, you are absolutely right. I think there's no question India has been growing at what you say is like breakneck speed is perfectly. Yeah, even given the pandemic, I think yeah. they're doing quite well. So yeah, well. you're right. In fact, uh, there was an article recently, India's growth is delayed, but not uh, disrupted. So that, that is what they say. It might be a little delayed, but directionally, I think uh, we are doing, uh, you know, we are in the right track. Uh, if you look at, we're talking about what, 15, 16% of infrastructure growth is projected for next few years. And uh, look at some statistics, you know, I often do uh, some presentations, you know, now and then. Uh, the kind of growth across all sectors, you know, the simple you take like national highways. Uh, today we are creating about 18,000 to 20,000 kilometers a year. Uh, you know, it's pretty much like 40, 45 kilometers a day. Right. It used to be like just five years ago till 2014, 15, it used to be like uh, 10 kilometers a day. So almost four times we are doing at that speed. And same thing is true for ports, airports, talk about power plants, refineries, I think metros. And you must have heard about dedicated freight corridors, uh, you know, which are like only dedicated for your, you know, uh, the freight uh, passenger train and what, no, not passenger, goods train, what you used to call, right? So, so you'll have like good strain passing at 100, 120 kilometers per hour. And we have, India has created a mammoth structure, a Tata project has participated uh, in a big way there. Uh, so, 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 the, so basically across all sectors, you will see infrastructure has grown rapidly. Uh, and it's not, the story is like, I would not call it even 5% done. It's, it's a story of next 30, 40 years. So in terms of uh, opportunities, I think this is one area which is going to grow phenomenally for next 30, 40 years for sure. We are talking about bullet trains coming, you know that, right? Some of the packages were recently awarded. And uh, same, I think roads are still inadequate. 
if you see the gaps, the huge gap. So that means what again, you know, it's a huge scope of uh, uh, progress to be made and future. And that means the employment opportunities for today, if you look at the statistics, about 40 to 50 million in the construction industry deploys, employs about uh, 40 to 50 million workers. That's a huge mammoth, five crores. This 40, is like in a, how, how long are we talking? 50 to 40 million? That's like today we are deploying in the, you know, every year. So we have this many workers available today. And that is when we are doing, you know, uh, about if you talk in terms of crores and lakhs, we are doing about six, seven lakhs crores of uh, projects. Now, this brings me uh, to, you know, the national infrastructure pipeline with the government has announced just a couple of years ago. And that, you know, government's uh, $5 trillion economy dream. Today we are at about three. Everybody feels that this is you know, really ambitious. It is indeed ambitious target. But the large part of this $5 trillion economy we are talking about will come from infrastructure. And that is what is mentioned in, you know, a national infrastructure pipeline, which talks about investment to the tune of $1.45 trillion, which in terms of lakhs crores, it's like one crore crore, slightly confusing. It's like if you if I tell you 90 lakh crores, you will understand. It's like one crore crore in next five years. That means if you convert that into year per year, it's like 20 lakh crores per year in five years. Now these numbers are mind-boggling, and and 20 lakh crores again. If you break it down into say you achieve only 70, 80 percent of the plan. This is finally planned, right? But going by the history, I think government has been achieving about 60-70%. So assuming that 70 or 80% you achieve, we are still and then we talk about only projects, how much of this will translate into the projects which companies like you know us will do. So it will come about uh, 10 lakh, 12 lakh crores of projects every year. Today we are doing about six, seven lakhs crores of year. So we are talking about doubling of the you know the uh, the size of the infrastructure. And if you're talking about doubling the size, as I said, if you recall, 40, 50 million workers are employed. We are talking about shoes, almost doubling. In fact, recent study by KPMG says by 2025, India will have the number 40, 45 million workmen in construction would become 75 million. Now, now look at not only see the numbers, we are talking about people here, right? 25 million skilled people over the next three, four, five years. Where do you bring them from? And we're talking about a skilled worker. Right. So that's like a bigger challenge to cater to. So, but, but in terms of uh, growth, I would say it has been growing and, and India has put some ambitious plan. Uh, if we achieve that, I guess uh, that will give a lot of confidence to all the stakeholders. Coming back to your question, the stakeholders, what they should do. Uh, there are many challenges though, and I think the stakeholders have to work together to make sure that those challenges are mitigated actually. What do you see are some of the challenges that you're talking about here? What do you see are some of the major challenges that we will have to prepare for? Yeah, see, I would bucket it under say, you know, three key challenges I would say. I mean, of course, there are many challenges, but uh, I'm not thinking too much on where do we get funds from because I think with FDI 100% in construction, the funds may not be a big constraint now going forward. But the bigger challenge in my view are these three things. One I have covered like uh, making sure that India has like 75, 80 million workmen available, skilled workmen. The second biggest challenge is we talked about worker, but what about project management uh, people, engineers, right? 
the, the folks who will manage such mammoth projects. Uh, so there also we have a huge gap. Uh, you know, we're talking about like eight, nine lakhs engineers are required to handle this kind of a projects, right? One, one may say that, so what, India is producing almost a million engineers every year, right? But then you have to remember, most of these folks out of this million so-called are not employable, unfortunately, because the, you know, the theoretical learning, what they have from colleges probably don't fetch them the job. And, and those who are employable, not all are available for this sector. They go to various sectors. You talk about automobile manufacturing, power plant. Software is a big chunk, which sucks the best of the talents. So, so you know, we are, we are talking about where do you get this kind of a skill to a workman? And sorry, I'm, I'm talking about uh, where do you get this skilled engineers, right? So, so, so this is second biggest issue which we have to tackle. And third, and probably very critical, is uh, the you know the scarcity or deficit of top companies who can handle this kind of a complex project so while there will be a large chunk of projects which can be handled by many small companies like for example roads and all can be handled but there are complex projects we are talking about metros the underground tunnels they are highly sophisticated uh, projects where you need all you know top rung equipments like you know tunnel boring machine and uh, many such equipments are required, the high capacity cranes and uh, track laying machine. And so you don't have many companies who can afford to buy this you know, equipment. There are hardly few handfuls. So and, and my challenge is even if these companies are there, uh, they, many of them are facing problems with the current uh, dispute resolution mechanism, which uh, you know, the, uh, the country is, I would say, there's little lack of uh, dispute resolution mechanism. Projects get delayed, as you can, you know, you know, understand all the time. And uh, so I think the stakeholders have to come together to resolve some of these issues. How do we tackle, you know? So you would say that even, you know, top level companies with professional project management uh, will still be facing some kind of uncertainties. Yeah, see what happens, you know, projects typically always um, you know often gets delayed in fact often is not the right word always is the right word here for some reason or other you know uh, there was an interesting study done by ministry of statistics uh, and program implementation it's a government uh, you know analysis it says that in india they have seen uh, more than 1000 crores projects uh, almost 75% of the projects get delayed now if you ask me when we call, you know, time is money. That is so true in project management, you know, it can directly relate. If you get delayed, you are have going to have cost overruns. And it's very simple to understand because, you know, the, when you are running a project, you have so many people there, workmen, you have a staff, engineers we talked about, the equipment's mobilized. Overnight, if, if there is some issue that Say, says, now you cannot work beyond this. There is a right-of-way issue. Right-of-way, in a simple way, if I have to explain you, it's like you have to build, a, say, a road or a transmission line. It is going through somebody's land and the farmers are, you know, probably not compensated or whatever has happened. Some way they are protesting and they are not giving you land to work. Now, it is typically customer's responsibility to give that to the contractor. 
that often you know we have issues many projects and it's like so so uh, common across many linear projects especially uh, so what do you do as a contractor or you know companies you have already mobilized you cannot just suddenly demobilize and say hey after two months again we'll come or even 15 days so you are you are basically incurring the idle charges now this is pretty much known to the customers many times and uh, because as i was talking about in the previous section you know the con you know dispute resolution framework there is a uh, lacuna out here and this is definitely need to be this needs to be sorted out because what happens is you know uh, customer you know contractor comes out with prolongation claim which may be legitimate because of the row right of way is not given to the contractor how do they work and and uh, Typically, customers would not be willing to approve it, even if they know it, because of the framework. Again, I'm talking about. So, so often it goes in a, you know, arbitration route. Then, then uh, it goes to court, and you know our court process and all. So the whole contract management, the subcontract management, needs a huge revamp. Otherwise, I'm telling you, the you know, large companies have thousands of crores stuck in disputes. And these companies will lose that willingness I was talking about a few minutes ago to continue to work like this. Because if you have so much of money stuck because of none of your fault, you have just done your job, right? And somebody is not uh, you know, willing to consider that unless you take it through the arbitration court. And, and even that is, you know, it takes years actually. You know, one of the claims I suddenly remember it in, uh, you know, which we are handling, the arbitration was given in our favor way back in 2017. The claim was lost in 2014 and all. I don't want to take the name of the project or customer here. But look at the time frame we are talking about, 2017. The claim is still not settled. It is in favor. The arbitrators have awarded that, you know, that whole claim into our favor. But of course, the customer has taken it to a high court now. It's in high court. It's, so you have like a huge, uh, you know, huge money at stake and cash is stuck. So, uh, uh, first of all, you don't have many good companies, top companies who can handle such complex projects. And those who have, if they get stuck like this, there's a big question mark of willingness here. So, I think government is doing few things, but a lot needs to be done. And that's going to take a lot of time as well. Yeah. So, India's infrastructure, when you look at it, it's been increasing its share in the global market. Now, we are spearheading many projects in Middle East, South Asia, Africa. So, do you think Indians have a, a special or specific advantage to increase our footprint? I think this is a good question here. Uh, so, I would say India's presence is well uh, felt and prominent in Middle East for sure. I think uh, a number of our companies are working there. In fact, uh, the whole, uh, you know, the infrastructure sector is dominated by Indian companies. So, for Middle East, for sure, we are there. Africa, there are few projects, few sectors. Transmission line distribution is one sector where we are there. Not in many sectors, you know, Indian companies are not participating so much there. And same is true for Southeast Asia, like Malaysia or Indonesia. You know, not many companies, Singapore, is, they do hardly have many things there. Right, uh, from infrastructure perspective, you're a developed country, you hardly have yeah. uh, anything there. So, uh, but I'll tell you, uh, of course, as I said, Middle East is continues to be the focus of many Indian companies. But India itself, we talked about, you know, the, there is a huge potential. So, I think companies are 
interested to consolidate their positions most uh, you know uh, in india first because there's a huge in fact the world is looking towards us and and that brings me to uh, the opportunity which are available at least for our engineers out here if not workmen because uh, what is happening is you know and this was happening before pandemic also that you have india being considered not only for software but for hardcore engineering as a back office the companies like exon mobile techni you know technimont a lot of global companies petrofac they have huge floor they have huge offices uh, deploying lot of engineers and 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 guess what they are doing projects for what colombia some of my juniors are there in many such companies and they say i am working on brazil project i am working on turkmenistan project okay so right sitting here in gurgaon or bangalore or mumbai they are working for such projects so so that's a good opportunity is opening and with uh, the pandemic has shown a you know further uh, a way that in fact the work could happen remotely uh, and very efficiently so that is another opportunity which is again happening uh, right now in india and it's going to be the order of the day in future as well so now let's talk about a key aspect that not a lot of people are discussing about the talent gap now as you know in the last two decades a lot of changes has happened right in the industry itself and when you take a look at the education aspect of it they've not really kept in pace with all the changes that are happening so what are you foreseeing right now when it comes to uh, hiring people with the right talent how do you identify people with the right talent in the current scenario i think that's a key question if you ask me honestly because this uh, this has been the issue for many years actually you know the challenges are across all the sectors so not only in our sector which is definitely i can tell you for sure in project management or construction management we don't get ready made material from engineering colleges so eventually we rely on our own training mechanism or on the job uh, you know uh, skilling so but then across other sectors also i don't think we are producing uh, automobile engineer who can you know straight away you know start working uh, in the industry when they join so the uh, problems are there across uh, across the discipline across the sectors of industry except for some ivy league colleges like probably iits and some nits and some top rank state colleges i think uh, we have this big issues where the syllabus syllabus uh, is archaic very old and faculties are probably with all due respect because we have all learned from them uh you know the faculty is not uh, probably updated what's happening in the industry and for whatever reason it's it's like probably industry also have to reach out to them and have some sort of a system which makes them aware so for whatever reason this has been a big pain area because today as i said we talked about 1 million you know engineering graduates you produce this country produces and most of them are not employable and that's pretty much because of this So this is a common story right that we hear across uh, from a lot of people that top tier colleges they are fine they are able to do it but most engineering institutions they definitely have this kind of a gap that's going on so can you tell us in depth about uh, what's actually happening right now yeah so uh, so i can talk about the sector i belong to first you know for example infrastructure when you build infrastructure and you have to do a project management engineering so what all which all pieces do you need right and we talked about this is one of the largest employer across all sectors right so the things you need are you know it starts from tendering you know 
Now, I have not learned anything uh, uh, on tendering. How does this tendering process happen and the details of that during colleges, right? Then you, you, you go to engineering. Trust me, today also when, and that, that is applicable even for top rung institutes. Today also when we hire our engineers in, the, uh, in our company, these folks will not know how to read the drawings. Now, all of them for mechanical or civil, they have done, they have learned drawing or machine design and all in the back in colleges, but they are so off the track. What happens in industry and what they teach there is totally, you know, there's no connect actually. So for months and probably years, the engineers have struggled to understand the drawing, how to read that, how to make sense out of that. Now, what do you do in four years then, right? And if you have to join uh, such companies, similarly, you have like, I, we talked about contract management, subcontract management. These are the things you have to do when you join a project management companies, right? You have to understand how the construction happens for different kinds of projects, right? A constructability, method of constructions, which are the latest technologies uh, which are being implemented in the construction companies. Now, none of this, trust me, is, you know, is being taught in any engineering college, right? Now, what do you learn there? And I'm talking about again, because I find in our sphere, it is, you know, in construction project management, we are totally off the track. We learn there, say, solid mechanics. We learn strength of material, machine design I talked about, dynamics of machineries, right? Lot of subjects. I'm not saying these are irrelevant. These are relevant probably, but for a very small fraction of the folks who will join the design organization, right? You have engineering design organizations, who will make use of this instance? But what about, and th those are probably two or three percent of the engineering folks, right? They will join to you know, join in design organization. What about rest of the 95, 96 percent folks? For them, there is hardly anything out of this four years course. In fact, I often say, you know, the engineering is the only uh, specialized course, so-called, which is so general in nature. If you talk about even the commerce graduate, they learn three years or four years commerce, then they do something, say charter accountancy or MBA. And these are the stuffs, whatever they have learned three, four, five years, they use the rest of the 30, 40 years of career. Talk about medical graduates, right? So they learn whatever stuff. This is what they do when they become doctor, journalist, yeah, lawyer. Everything they learn during their three years, four years, five years of classes, they make use of that, but that's not true for engineers. I, it's actually very sad and I feel really pained uh, that uh, why we have, you know, um, engineering course, which is uh, not designed to cater to the industry. What can we do for that? And I think, yeah. So you put that very beautifully that, you know, engineering being a specialized course is the only thing that is so general, you know, in order to have a future there. So I wanted to understand if you think that edtech companies can actually help address this problem. Yeah, actually, this is where, this is exactly where you guys come in, you know. Uh, we, you know, industry or, you know, uh, folks uh, from industry like us will now probably have an opportunity to recruit folks uh, you know, who are trained or upskilled by companies like yours, uh, where they have this gap, right? So, so I guess uh, this is where uh, it, it is like a win-win for engineering graduates probably and for the industry. Now there will be a opportunity, a chance that, you know, 
uh, we can meet each other's uh, requirement. So uh, a lot of uh, aspiring civil engineers are watching this. I would like you to say something to them uh, in terms of uh, what they should be doing for their career, especially to get in you know, top companies like Tata Projects. What should they be doing beyond the curriculum? Yes. So look, first of all, I'll tell you, uh, when, when I joined uh, this sector, this whole uh, infrastructure or construction sector was not a very sought after field actually. And given that that was the time when talking about 99-2001 period, uh, when software companies uh, were an, you know, these companies were an option for folks coming out of engineering college. Otherwise, before that, before the advent of the software or entry of software companies, this was for given that engineers have to toil hard at projects or manufacturing soft floors. And over the period of time, they will move up the hierarchy. Here was an option for you know, people to join the company and day one you are given laptop or not laptop probably those days, computers and you get an opportunity to work on that. And you are also in an, in, in an environment which is, uh, you know, air conditioned and pretty much vibrant. But when, 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 yeah, so when we joined, it was uh, 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 not so, as I said, you know, uh, not a thing which people has a first choice to join. Except there were people like us who wanted to join the hardcore, you know. So we will wait for companies, and all most of the guys will be lapped up by software companies and through these campus placements. And some of us would wait for some, you know, uh, hardcore companies to come, and and of course they will also come. And primary reason was, as I said, the work environment was one thing. And uh, I remember the very first day when I joined uh, my company. Um, we were sent to the site and myself and one of my friends uh, who were given a room to share. When you go to the site, you have a bachelor's mess, you know, and you are sent to the site and, and you will be sharing rooms with some of your colleagues. I was lucky that, okay, I was sharing that room with my uh, friend, but that, that was short-lived thing because he, one fine day, and that was just seven, ten days later after he joined. So we were going to office, uh, office means site. And we were waiting for the bus to pick us up. And I, I noticed that he was wearing a you know, white Jodiac shirt. And I said, hey, you're going to site. Why are you wearing this kind of, you know, wearing this uh, white shirt? And uh, when we came back in the evening, his shirt obviously had like, you know, we were, he was working in a stock horse, which is like, which will deal with iron ore, the coals and all, you know. <laughs> so his shirt had full of, uh, you know, stains, black stains. And he was so fed up and you know, he, next day he left actually. So, so that was the situation and um, you will be working at site and, and you will be, uh, you know, your colleagues, who are your colleagues here? You will have foreman, you will have supervisor, you have construction folks. And right in the college, when you, will, you are doing graduation or masters, uh, you may tend to believe that, you know, uh, I'll go there as a project head or something, which happens eventually, but you have to toil for that, right? So, but today, I would say that things have changed a lot. Even at the ground, first of all, the working conditions have improved. Uh, the messes, so-called, uh, the quality of mess, at least in the top companies, uh, you know, it's, it's much better than how it used to be. And the work methodology, even for graduates from IITs, and we are, by the way, having a lot of graduates, some 50, 60 graduates every year we recruit in our company. Even for them, uh, the whole work is uh, quite enticing because they find now that day one they get like, you know, either 
laptop or iPad and they work on you know uh, the beam kind of a thing 3d models so and also there is a lot of stuffs which were in the books earlier like machine learning and all they are able to use it uh, i have my team members uh, who can predict how much of this claim would get settled and when through this machine learning based on the past uh, data available so a lot of analytics scope is there and that's because you have the data residing in some systems and that helps you in decision making which way we should go you know uh, same is true for planning you have primavera and same is true for a uh, lot of digitization is taking place in construction industry and all these things help in finding the solution so you know what what excites people is is this job giving them enough kick when they come right uh, 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 is it providing a way to find some solution right and are they able to participate and contribute in that and now they are able to do when i joined 20 years ago we were all thinking like any supervisor any foreman is better than what i do because the jobs were of that nature so i think uh, my advice to the young engineers is you upskill yourself so that you are useful to the industry from day one you don't waste time one two years and get lost i i just uh, dream that uh, you know if i get couple of years down the line you know students recruited from the colleges with upskilling done and these guys know about lot of these things uh, which we are practically doing i think it would be an amazing experience and 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 even for their growth they will straight away save like 4 5 years of what we became in 15 years they could probably become in 10 years yeah and i think that is credited to the digitalization that's currently happening even in the cpm industry like you mentioned yes so can you just tell us a little bit more about the uh, you know upcoming or right now what's happening in the digitalization field of it for construction project management i think yeah i think you are absolutely right. so digitalization is one thing which i would say uh, has a huge scope in construction Now I recently read, and this was an old article. Actually, I was referring to my old uh, presentation recently, uh, because I'm also taking care of digital stops in our company. So they have ranked 22 sectors in terms of how how advanced they are in digitalization. And of course, the media houses and probably the banking they were like top rung one two positions, and and the bottom was agriculture. And guess what? construction was ranked just before agriculture so it was on 21st so while uh, people have been thinking in the past that other than some it enablement which used to be considered like you know have some erp have some sap have some p6 schedule that is what max you can do uh, there is an opportunity for digitalizing whole lot of stuff now what is construction if you talk about we talk about lmp right so labor Uh, uh material and plants and equipments now all these three categories across all these three uh, categories you can do digitalization labor for example companies are doing they are tracking uh, you know they are able to improve the productivity of their companies by doing this digitalization so they have like you know very interestingly what they do is they have, they put rfid tag with some sensors on the helmet okay and so you you don't need any more to do a biometrics for attendance you don't need to ask your uh, supervisor hey how many people are there at site today right you have this rfid tag tag and the rfid zones giving you area wise okay this area i have so many cons this you know and this is all visible in the digital platform today very exciting similarly you have uh, plants and equipment you have this lot of gadgets 
fitted onto the plants uh, and equipment. We talk about any equipment, construction equipment, and you all exactly know. So the plants would be either in the plant, whether it is running or not running. Now these things are not. It's not so uh, you know common. It's not happening. It's, it's still happening in silos, I would say. But that means what? That means you have a huge scope of uh, digitalizing all these stuffs. And and we dream. We were discussing the other day. We dream that you know we'll have. Uh, all these companies will have a control room right in the headquarter or maybe at you know at different regional setups where you will be able to see you now cctvs are so common at sites various sites you can write sitting in mumbai office you can understand how many uh, you know what job is happening how many folks are there and and you can visualize that and you can zoom in and see right drones drones bring you the real time pictures so I guess there's a you know exciting time ahead in terms of digitalization, integrating all this information with schedule. I think this is the area where things are going to happen, and that's not going to happen just in three four years, but you have a horizon of many years actually. Okay, beautifully put. Now I have another question. Now, now we are saying digitalization is going to make things easy, like what growth you saw in fifteen years. Possibly a fresh undergraduate now could get it in a span of four to five years. But sh should an engineer be afraid that once digitalization starts, you know, catching pace, would that actually bring down the number of jobs? No, not really. Uh, in fact, it will improve the efficiency for sure. Because after all, who is managing these digital stuffs? After all, those same engineers have to manage, right? It is not reducing the workmen who are working at the site or folks who are supervising the job at site. It is. It is on on the contrary. It is improving the productivity. It is improving the efficiency. So I would not be concerned about this uh, job losses or reduction in opportunities. Uh, in fact, it is you know same thing happened. If you if I don't know whether you were uh, you know uh, you know you were you were adult enough to understand, but 15 20 years ago, people were talking about all these softwares now will kill all the jobs. What has happened? Look 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 at the situation today, right? In fact, the software companies are growing. The people are getting number of jobs, and other sectors are equally growing. Right, you demand know, so and supply is always there. Yeah, in my view, because of the sheer volume of growth which we uh, we will be witnessing in future years, there is a huge opportunities, and I would say the you know the big opportunity sector is our infrastructure for for sure. And infrastructure is not a typical infrastructure where engineers have to stand at site always. As I said, a lot of these jobs are happening. Parallelly, which is so exciting, even for young engineers. I wish you know uh, these things were there when uh, I joined company 2022 years ago. But we had to do a little bit, uh, you know, toil through the whole uh, maze of hierarchy. And uh, but still, I think we were. You know, when I compare myself and my colleagues uh, with my seniors, we are ahead of the curve. At our age, people will be at certain level. We are much ahead of the curve, and because of all these things which have happened in the last 15 20 years and i think one important thing for the folks who will be working at site keep your eyes open don't get frustrated because most likely you will get frustrated when you are at site this has happened to me this is happening today also to many of our young uh, smart engineers at site they will the questions would come why i should be here why can't i work in a typical other companies but but my advice to them is that this is just a transient phase you are here to learn stuffs by yourself see stuffs by yourself be there few years you will be the guys who will be making decisions tomorrow 
so this is an opportunity guys lot of folks who get placed in the offices five seven years they will never go to site now and they miss that opportunity and they will be witnessing in the offices when somebody from you know site would come and they will be talking about sensible things which these guys would not have got any idea and they will be taking the leadership position eventually so site is an opportunity and not a punishment <laughs> definitely i think that's something that's valid that students also have to you know know now that also brings me to the next question now um site is very important to start a uh, you know a foundation in construction project management and yes there's a progress there now on a general basis i wanted to understand what is the job ratio for a civil engineer when it comes to management jobs and to design because i think with the glitz and glam that design jobs give them and the four years that they've studied feels much more relevant towards design a lot of people choose designing but what is the ground reality when it comes to jobs in the cpm domain construction project management and design what would be the ratio yeah so if you ask me first of all uh, this whole construction project management is not only for civil engineers you have because you know the whole project management you have projects of course you have civil projects which are like roads bridges ports metros tunnels right but you also have lot of industrial projects we are building a steel plants you have to build uh, refineries and petrochemicals and the power plants so you need to have a blend of uh, civil engineers mechanical engineers electrical uh, you know electrical and instrumentation so these folks predominantly make the whole uh, of course the dominance is still with uh, because civil engineers are required everywhere mechanical not everywhere so yeah but your question is probably that um, what is the ratio of folks who will finally go to the design field and and then whole lot of other things like i talked about you know you need a site engineer who supervises the job you need a site a planning engineer who does the planning of the whole thing scheduling you need costing engineer you need subcontract engineer you need contracts engineer so i would say that not more than 5 7% will get to design but the opportunities are much more in other sectors actually you know so the whole project management if you ask me in any organization you will have probably 5 7% even in epc organization you will have design uh, engineering jobs availability and uh, rest of the people will be doing lot of other important works and and in fact nothing against design engineers but i think the leadership positions are taken up by folks who are doing this operational jobs finally you know of course design will design engineers would have career in the design field but uh, generally the operations which encompasses all this aspect i talked about you know they take uh, leadership position because that that is you know for driving the project engineering is one aspect you have supply chain procurement you know i talked about subcontracting contracting commissioning construction is a big chunk so you need to have overall understanding and that other jobs give you more such opportunity and the opportunities are more there yeah i hope the young engineers who listen to this conversation right now with this little interview we had with you are now able to charter their career path uh, in the stream that they should be choosing thank you so much for this wonderful conversation the wonderful interview we've had it was quite insightful actually a lot of research work that's been gone into that and uh, definitely something that was useful for these students to you know take into consideration when they start looking at their future rigorously thank you so much for joining us today thank you and for having uh, me. I, just... i wish you the best in all your future and i was thank you it's actually absolute privilege for me and i hope it uh, people you know students find it uh, useful thank you so much